everyone. Welcome to the voice of Dr. Yan, and I am your host, Dr. Liman Yan. This week is my honor to invite a good friend, Jeff Nyquist, to be the guest in my uh, broadcast. And as you may already remember, two weeks ago when I interviewed my another friend, Miss Claire Lopez, during the conversation we have mentioned that. Jeff Nyquist is a very brilliant researcher who has extensive knowledge and experience in the political science research. Also, he had a very good in uh, experience in the analysis of intelligence. He has uh, been the colonist for World Net Daily, uh, Serial Time, uh, Serial Times. Financial Sense and Epoch Times. He has many books, include The Lies We Believe In, as well as The Fool and His Enemy. He also writes the weekly essays at G.R. Nyquist blog. And he has uh, actually recently uh, published another book as a co-author, which talks about the things you want to know uh, to understand Chinese Communist Party. And uh, I have talked with Jeff for many times. He has very extensive knowledge about not only China, but also Soviet Union. And he has talked with the Soviet Union defectors as well as China dissidents. And so I think it is very interesting to share his opinions according to the uh, current international situation and combined with his knowledge about Russia, China, and the US. And so welcome, Jeff, and uh, thank you for coming to my broadcast. Thank you, Dr. Lin. Uh, you have talked to me that there is one uh, latest book published uh, by you and your co-authors. Could you briefly introduce that book to our audience? Yeah, I was earlier this year, I was a co-author. I was on the Team B and they, they did a Team B report on the COVID-19 biological warfare attack called The CCP is at War with America. And that our team leader was uh, Stephen Hatfill and uh, Gordon Chang wrote the introduction to the book. Oh, so... Gordon Chen and Stephen Hatfield both introduced this book, right? I have I have met both of them. So that yes. definitely would be a very good book and uh, people can get it from Amazon, right? Yes, you can order it on Amazon and it's published by the Center for this for Security Policy. So no. it's uh, it really kind of goes over why many of us believe that the virus, whether it was released accidentally or on purpose, was effectively used as an attack. Is that the book that the previous Netherlands ambassador from US, Peter, uh, also drawn and as co-author? Um, who who was a, a co-author, did you ask? Uh, that uh, previous ambassador from, uh, uh, from US to Netherlands, Peter Hocastro. No, Peter was not uh, a co-author on the book. The co-authors were um, uh, Charles Faddis, Kevin Freeman, Frank Gaffney, Stephen Hatfill, uh, Brian oh. Kennedy, who's the head of the Committee on the Present Danger China, 
And oh, Colonel John, John Mills and myself, we were the authors of the, of the I book. see, I see. Sorry to uh, confuse the titles. I, I mean, this should be another very good book. I mean, I know that the previous ambassador, Peter, has published one book talking about the COVID pandemic and uh, the uh, the secret behind it, the uh, reason about the lab uh, origin, the facts they have known already also published this year. So you see, the actually the understanding of CCP's lab origin and even the bioweapon nature of COVID-19 virus is now become more and more uh, well-known in the United States. And as we see, actually, one recent poll from Harvard has showed that a uh, majority, like over 70% of Americans um, believe that this virus comes from the lab. Definitely, uh, totally changed the attitude from the beginning of the pandemic. So as a co-author of such a good book, so could you let our audience know your opinion about CCP and the COVID-19 virus at origin and also as a pandemic and the influence to the United States. So I want to hear your opinions. Thank you. Yeah, well, I, I'm not a biological scientist, but Dr. Stephen Hatfield was. Uh, and we had consultations with other scientists. And of course, I'm I'm trained in political science. And the the probability of this virus, the COVID-19 virus occurring uh, in nature was we heard the figure one in 20,000 chance that it could occur in nature. Um, how do you arrive at such a number? We know that it's extremely, because of the genetic makeup of the virus, it is just extremely uh, unlikely to the point of it's really not at all even remotely probable that this thing was natural. This thing was made in a lab. And there's other arguments for it being made in a lab other than the, the genetic structure of the thing. Um, some of the properties of this virus are so bizarre that that they're the properties that you would put into something if you were making a weapon. So there's there's a lot of different ways to approach the question of whether this, this virus was a weapon. And I think it is my belief that the chance of it not having been made intentionally as a weapon is so remote, it's not even worth discussing. So according to your understanding of communist China, as well as their great partner and uh, uh, the best supporter, uh, Russia and Soviet Union, I mean, before. So according to your understanding of these regimes, do you think that uh, making bioweapon and attack all over the world and lie to the world is something uh, far-fetched and uh, we should not believe such conspiracy. Or you would think maybe even from the beginning, uh, you would say, yeah, this sounds very reasonable from such regimes. Oh yeah, this is really right exactly according to their character. The, the way that uh, the CCP has always behaved is like a criminal gang. Um, and as far as Moscow, you know, when Mao took over China in 1949, Stalin sent 50,000 KGB and GRU professionals to train Mao's army and secret police in the Soviet methods. 
So you have a mixture of, of Russian, Soviet, and Chinese methods. So you have in these countries, the Chinese and the Russian people have a brilliant history of great subtle thinking about strategy. And they also, both countries have a history, mixed history of criminal regimes, of bad emperors, like the first Qin emperor, or like Ivan the Terrible, you know, the the uh, one of the a number of the czars were rather bad. Um, and so what you end up with is you end up with uh, a, a bad examples in history that can be followed by later criminals. And what you have, because a traditional society in modern times has been in crisis over the last more than a century, and China has been in a, in a crisis for two centuries, um, China was very vulnerable, like Russia, to a communist revolution, which is a revolution of criminals. Uh, and I would say that Marx, Karl Marx, the founder of communism, was described by the political philosopher Eric Verglin as a as a swindler who invented the communist ideology because he liked the idea of of hurting people or or yes. to create an excuse for people to kill other people so what we have in society psychopaths people who like to victimize other people and they're they're this this subset of people that usually you find them in the criminal world but more and more with this um, ideology of communism you find them in the political world. And so Mao Zedong was, when you read his life, it's very shocking because he had a life of criminal activity. Yes, he was believed, uh, he is believed as a person who killed the most of people in the human history. Yes, he is the number one mass murderer in human history. And this is the great misfortune of the Chinese people, the great tragedy and like the number two murderer was Stalin, who killed the next most people in Russia. And so these two were uh, became allies, and they served this same Marxist ideology, which they call Marxism-Leninism, um, which Xi Jinping underscores and praises to this day. Um, and it, it is uh, an extremely destructive ideology because every country that has been taken over by Marxist-Leninists has suffered from tyranny, mass killings, and uh, uh, the impoverishment of the people of the country. Yes. And uh, in China, under Deng Xiaoping, they allowed a kind of normal life under the party to develop because they wanted to develop more advanced weapons and they wanted to build their navy and they wanted to fool the west it's the same reason why russia went through its changes under gorbachev they the communists in russia didn't really want to get rid of communism it uh, they stumbled and things went wrong the the communists in russia still remain in control and they are aligned with the communists in china in russia they can't talk about communism openly because the Russian people won't accept it. And this is what the CCP is afraid of. They, they realize they can't do what Russia uh, tried to do. They would stumble even worse, and the Chinese people would you know, hang them all as criminals. So they have to be very careful in China. 
That's why they have the People's Armed Police, why they have the, uh, the secret police, the Ministry of State Security. They have to use violence and advanced methods of control to yeah. keep the Chinese people under control. It is their great weakness. And they want to use the Chinese people as a weapon against the rest of the world, the labor of the Chinese people, the intelligence of the Chinese people, and the courage of the Chinese people. That's called people's war. And as you said, they combine the armed uh, police and also other type of the law enforcement to control Chinese. That is nowadays, we call it a zero COVID policy in China. So mm. this, all the things actually has very, uh, I mean, clear, but of course, the, I mean, this is buried facts along the history to tell people now you see the pandemic, you see the ambition of Chinese Communist Party under Xi Jinping's leading. This is not occasional and not accidental. This is decided by the nature of the communist regimes and the Leninist organizations. And also these leaders, they are all sociopaths and psychopaths. So as I already told our audience in the previous episode that Xi Jinping is also a sociopath and a psychopath. This is also based on the intelligence from people working around him although this is considered as a top secret in CCP. So mm -hmm. you, uh, I, I don't remember whether I have told you before when we talk, uh, Xi Jinping in the confidential meetings, he has told the Chinese military and also CCP officials that he believe the reason Hitler and Stalin failed is because they didn't kill enough people. So that's why he has to enhance his control. He already become the emperor of China and he won't uh, actually take over the Western uh, countries, especially the United States. So he believed that to do more than studying, more than Hitler would be one of the essential uh, factor in his uh, leadership. So in this case, we can say, when we talk about the pandemic and the millions of people lost their lives and over millions, I mean, more than tens of millions of people suffered from the injury and also even long COVID uh, problems, as well as they suffer from the economic uh, uh, disorder and the social, uh, so, uh, this kind of society disorder. So these things actually fit Xi Jinping's uh, proposal. And this is something for him would be very helpful for his following uh, strategies towards the Western countries, the Western culture. So based on this, Jeff, do you, you see we have been cheated from the beginning of the pandemic. And you also have told me that in the Soviet Union and the CCP's history, as you know, they kept doing uh, cheating, and especially they work together to cheat United States for their political purpose. So do you think something repeatedly happened in the pandemic, especially when we say Putin and Xi Jinping become the solid allies and they, are, they launched the uh, 
the war in Ukraine, they created troubles in Taiwan and towards Japan. And also now they even use the nuclear threat to threat uh, the United States and all over the world. Do you think something similar repeatedly happened in the history now? And what do you think about their uh, strategy and their goals? Well, it's very important for everyone to realize that the Russian elite, the real people who rule Russia, are very closely tied to the CCP. That um, the collapse of the Soviet Union, the Communist Party Soviet Union did not really lose power. It had to give up its ideology in public, but privately within the structures of the former Soviet countries, they tried to maintain control. And this is why there's a war in Ukraine. They lost control of Ukraine and they're trying to get it back, force Ukraine back into union with Russia. And in Russia, Vladimir Putin, I, I knew a GRU defector, uh, Colonel Stanislav Lunev from St. Petersburg, from Leningrad, the same place as uh, Putin is from. And when Putin became president of Russia in 2000, uh, Colonel Lunev told me that he knew this man is a true believing Marxist Leninist. And I was astonished. And he said, no, he is a real believer. And I have learned from many uh, sources in the former Soviet Union that this Communist Party went underground and maintained control. And they want to bring the Soviet Union back if they could. But the Russian people will not accept it now. And so many years have gone by that the Russian people, especially the younger people, have become more European. So they have had to create this these this nationalism they've had to try to use the orthodox church that is controlled by agents of the secret police but they really rely on china they rely on north korea and if you go to all of the communist countries if you go to north korea china cambodia vietnam laos you go to the african communist countries like the anc which in south africa which is an extension of the south african communist party you will find deep involvement of not just the Chinese, but the Russians. The Russians and the Chinese and all these communist regimes in Africa and Latin America and Asia, you find them both together, working together with these communists. And you say, well, why does Russia, there was a bit on Russian TV last week where a Russian announcer says, why don't we work with our allies? We can have a coalition just like NATO. We've got North Korea, we've got Cuba, we've got Venezuela. He's listing all the socialist countries as if Russia were part of the socialist bloc. Well, we know now that the most economically powerful and most populous and militarily powerful communist country is China now. And Russia and China need each other because China has the industrial power and the manpower and Russia has the missile power in some of the advanced technology China needs. And as Colonel Lunov explained to me, is that they want to take over the world by destroying the United States. And they have been following a plan uh, that they developed at the end of the Cold War. And Lunov and other defectors have said that this plan goes back further, that the Sino-Soviet split was um, a double game in, with Ru in which Russia and China colluded to fool the United States and the West into believing that they had a serious conflict. 
This goes back to the conspiracy and death of Lin Biao, which has many suspicious details in it. It goes back to there's a there's a book a friend of mine um, um, named um, uh, um, excuse me I just had a glitch in my bra brain um, Nevin Gusak wrote called was Galitzin right and there was this defector Anatoly Galitzin who wrote about being in a think tank in the late 1950s before the Sino-Soviet split of 1960 hearing the KGB chief in a lecture admit that they were going to do a fake split in China was going to be the, the country that Russia would have a fake split with and they would get the West to come in and build up China and I mean there's so many details like this um, that you know the, the Chinese defector Yao Ming Li uh, who wrote The Conspiracy and Death of Lin Biao that book has so many suspicious details in it. And when you talk I mean, to... That, when I, that defector is actually not trustable, right? I don't believe so. And when I talked to Colonel Stanislav Lunev after his defection in the 1990s, Lunev spoke Mandarin and worked in China. And I asked him about the conspiracy and death of Lin Biao. I said, do you know anything about it? And he said, yes, I had a close friend who was at the crash site of Lin Biao's plane. And what he told me was that Lin Biao and everyone else on board that plane that crashed in Mongolia had been killed before they were put on the plane and that the pilot had crashed the plane in Mongolia. The plane was not shot down either by a missile or a Chinese fighter and that the pilot was picked up on the border and brought back to, to Beijing. And that this, the Russians had purposely gone along with the fake Chinese story that Lin Biao had conspired with the Soviet general staff to overthrow Mao. And this was in 1971 on the eve of Kissinger's visit to China, which prepared the way for Nixon going to China to meet with Mao. Do you mean that, do you mean that this kind of uh, conspiracy worked between Soviet Union and the CCP at that time as to convince the United States that China would be the friend of United States and China can work with the United States to deal with the Soviet Union together. Yes, exactly. It was a wow. deception strategy. And it was, there's so much evidence. Uh, um, Nevin Gusak's book, Galitzin Vindicated, he has hundreds of footnotes showing indications of close collusion between Russia and China during this period of supposed, uh, uh, of the supposed split. And um, when you, you get into the details, this was the question I asked Lunev. I said, Colonel Lunev, if the Russians controlled the crash site, of Lin Biao's plane, and the Chinese government was accusing Russia of trying to overthrow Mao Zedong, and, and that Lin Biao supposedly uh, fled to the Soviet Union, like pointing the finger of guilt to the Soviet Union. Look, I'm escaping. I failed to overthrow Mao. Now I'm fleeing to the USSR. If he really wasn't fleeing to the USSR, why wouldn't this, the Soviet officials say, oh, this year Chinese lies. We didn't try to overthrow Mao. Why would they not just publish the facts. They were actually helping the Chinese create the illusion of a conflict with Russia by keeping their mouths shut. 
and keeping the evidence of Lin Biao's crash secret. So this shows collusion. In 1971, on the eve of Nixon's trip to China, uh, collusion to make the United States think that China and Russia were enemies who were about to go to war. So this is strategic deception, right? And it yes. is historic, uh, I mean, long-term, this kind of collaboration uh, between these, among these communist regimes. And so yeah. now, as I always told my audience that you say Xi Jinping is very good at the strategic deception and the CCP and Xi Jinping, they are using this kind of uh, lies to cheat Americans again and again. I mean, recent things we can talk about the China coup. We can talk about uh, Xi Jinping will be replaced by uh, the Prime Minister Li Keqiang after the 20th National Congress. And also, if we talk about in the past three years the, during the pandemic, China insists that initially the bad come from nature and suddenly infect certain person. And later, they change their propaganda. They start to blame America for making the bioweapon in for that trick and s release it to China to damage China. So all this kind of Lies, propaganda, deception happened again and again. But why do you think every time, since it's always repeatedly in the history, why every time it seems still can work at least for a while in public and even in the intelligence community and among the politicians in the United States? Because in the West, we are naive about communism, and we don't know the history of China or Russia well enough to know that they had histories of autocratic government with very sophisticated deception, uh, the Russians call them technologies, uh, methods of deception which are beyond our even understanding, uh, false defectors, um, uh, creation of false coups and false assassinations even. Um, all kinds of bizarre strategies that go back in, in the history of China very far and also exist in Russian history going back to Ivan the Terrible. Um, so we think always that the people we're talking to are like ourselves, and that's a mistake. And also the influence of communism in the West is not to be ignored. There are many who sympathize with the ideology of the Communist Party of China and of the Communist Party Soviet Union. And they have uh, disguised themselves and they have infiltrated the American government and intelligence services and business. And they are helping China and as well as people that China has bought with their money and people that China has is able to blackmail. Yes, I have seen that. I mean, since I came to the United States, I talked to people, and to my surprise, is most of the people has know very rare about the real CCP in the beginning of the pandemic. But actually, I don't feel uh angry or uh, frustrated because. Also, I grew up in China. I stayed there for almost thirty years, and also I work with uh, many Chinese people. I studied there, even finished my PhD degree. But 
until I came to Hong Kong in 2012 and also stayed there for over seven years, I can't say I realized the evilness of Chinese Communist Party that much until the pro-democracy activities happened in Hong Kong in 2019 and then the pandemic happened from Wuhan. So I totally understand that why Americans know so little about communist China at that time, because they are innocent and also we are human. So as human, we consider that communist China and the officials and the leaders are human. So they should behave as a human. They should think as a human. They should have the feeling as human. However, once you were trained in the communist systems, especially when you compete with others to the top positions, most majority of these people cannot maintain their human feeling. And so that's why always the communist leaders would be the most anti-human person in that system at that moment. And this is why we human cannot understand it at that time. However, when evidence exposed more and more, when things get verified more and more, I'm happy to say Americans wake up and you see after two and almost three years of the pandemic, we see majority of Americans woke up and they changed their attitude towards Beijing government and Xi Jinping. They start to know they are evil. However, that's still not enough because Xi Jinping's regime and the communist uh, allies, including Putin and other regimes like North Korea, they are like the virus mutations. They are involving. They are evolving to try to compete with our human society, human culture, Western culture societies. They try to beat us and drag us to their side, fall into the hell without any light. So this is something very serious now. And we need to have a short break at this moment. We will come back very soon and we will continue to talk about Russia, Communist China and the United States with Jeff Nyquist. Thank you. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulpidone iodine-based nasal spray Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. is woven into the soul of America Out Loud. Now we invite you, friends, to invest some of your time 
with our magnificent family of experts, their minds and voices. It's all back at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all. And here is the second section of our program today. And my special guest, Jeff Nyquist, will also join us to discuss the very interesting topics about Russia, communist China, and also United States. So, Jeff, uh, we have known that uh, Russia invaded Ukraine already uh, last for now almost 10 months, right? From end of February. Uh, nine months and so we have seen that still until now uh the international society especially united government try to seek a balance uh between russia and china that means they won't use some leave this uh, they won't give the sanction to russia they won't they support ukraine to fight against russia however also we i mean I and my friend and my colleagues, we already uh, reviewed a lot of intelligence, uh, including the top confidential uh, audio from the People's Liberation Army's conference to tell people that communist China is supporting Russia financially and also using other uh, resources to uh, sustain this war and also they are going to launch more and more kills all over the world. We still haven't seen the very powerful uh, kind of confrontation against the communist China or the uh, measurement, uh, measures against the communist China. We still say that American, uh, the politicians usually talk about that. Uh, we try to uh, find the help from China, we try to persuade China, we try to work with China, and then China could help us to maybe talk to Russia, or China would help us to uh, like the object uh, something from Russia. And also, uh, I want to remind that there is one report from Twitter, uh, four or five days, uh, no, two days ago, actually, they said, based on their analysis, China has limited power and perhaps little desire, uh, desire to curb North Korea. So in this analysis, the some kind of expert, the former U.S. government official, uh, Craig Singleton, told the journalists that mm, for China's perspective, North Korea can serve as a false multi-pillar to challenge American's Pacific, uh, position in the Pacific, but they don't think China can control or uh, stop North Korea to compete against the United States. I mean, based on our intelligence and our knowledge, China actually is the, the best supporter behind North Korea and working with Russia to use the North Korea, create chaos and then enhance what they want uh, in the, from the 
Korean Peninsula and to actually distract American military and uh, American government's attention all over the world. They try to use this multiple uh, battlefield strategy to cheat America and then find the best opportunity to win someday. So what do you think about the from the speech from Austin and to the what we see now, this kind of kind of weak policies against the communist China in the facing Russia, North Korea, this kind of sad regimes uh, in this kind of escalating situation uh, nowadays. Well, when you have Russia has basically given North Korea its nuclear capacity and China has been building up uh, North Korea's military. And so you see that China is building up its own naval and nuclear capacity. And for Austin to make that speech where he actually denies there's a Cold War, there's a problem, he says, and we're going to defend, but we don't want a Cold War. This is so strange because you're in a Cold War. In fact, you're in an actual, you're about to be in a real war because Russia is prosecuting a war in Europe now. And China is threatening to prosecute a war in the Pacific now. And I'm afraid that in many dimensions, we talked about the deception of Russia and China. They're, they're very elaborate deceptions. You know this book, Unrestricted Warfare. Well, I was studying this book this year. And what I find is there's deceptions in the book. So there's one problem. So the Chinese are going to publish their deception. They're, they're going to publish their unrestricted warfare doctrine so we can all read it. No. When you read that book, it says over and over again, here and there, it's like a Chinese drop, like Chinese water torture. They're saying, oh, we don't believe in nuclear weapons. Oh, we won't ever use a nuclear weapon. Oh, nuclear war is stupid. Nuclear war is obsolete. This is throughout this book, Unrestricted Warfare. I challenge anyone to read it, and I recognize this deception. Because Russia and China are preparing for a nuclear world war. That's what their buildup build is about. So they know that they cannot win a conventional war. Look, you, Russia can barely make head, headway in Ukraine with conventional weapons. How is China? They have very large military establishments, but their operational doctrine, their leadership, and their morale is not high enough for a conventional war. They need the extra ingredient of nuclear weapons. Nobody in the West understands this. And so when Austin is talking, he's talking as if, oh, it's not such a bad problem. We will defend. It's like, no, no, you have no idea. They're not playing tiddlywinks with you. They are, now they have got this war in Ukraine. They stumbled. You have, you know, you thank God, you may be dead already if this, war in Ukraine had, hadn't gone bad for them, but they have more in store. And this is what no one in the West understands. This book, I tell you, if you are a, a strategist, read Unrestricted Warfare, and you will understand they are lying in that book 
about not believing in nuclear war while they are building nuclear missiles and warheads like sausages. They are not building them to look pretty. They are building them because they want a nuclear Pearl Harbor on the United States. And, and by the way, the defector Anatoly Galitsyn, who predicted the, the present alliance of Russia and China, predicted that they would use nuclear weapons if they couldn't get what they want by, by basically just rolling us over by scaring us. And of course, this was my conversation with Mr. Wang of Luda Media uh, six months ago is that he was talking about will the West give China what it wants without a war or will China go to war? Yes, I remember you talked about uh, what would happen since the Russia-Ukraine war started for several months at that time. And you both were talking about the Russia and the CCP also prepared as a Far East for more operations and also you talk about that the, there is a big chance that Russia would uh, take the advantage of the uh, their geopolitical advantage in uh, near Alaska to conduct some new operations uh, against the United States. Actually, we have seen the reports recently that the Russians military flight well over the uh, territory uh, territory in Alaska in the United States, right? And we, yes. have, we have also seen that in the Far East, at that time, in June, when you had that conversation, North Korea and Japan area seems kind of okay, but now you see that area become a very, very intensive area now. So things get more and more verified. However, do you think that the, I mean, this kind of situation is already uh, well understand, uh, understood by the American government. And uh, do you think that based on all this kind of report, we have seen the response we have heard uh, from your government that this kind of preparation against Russia and the communist China is kind of mature or enough um, I think that uh, Admiral Richard of the Strategic Command understands. I think we have um, our Air Force commander in NATO understands. Um, I think that the German foreign minister, uh, Annalena Baerbock, I think she's coming to understand. I think German intelligence understands. I think the British understand. I think there's a growing, and, and I think the new Italian prime minister understands. I think there's a growing group of statesmen, politicians, and so on that understand. Now, uh, Secretary Austin is sort of, there's a glimmer of like, there's something bad here. But he, I can, I can tell by listening to him, he doesn't fully grasp it. He's slow on the uptake. It's good to see that he's moving in this direction of waking up. But um, it's, a, it's a process. And what China and Russia are doing is that they're prosecuting right now an economic war. China has done this thing where they want to break supply chains down and, and hurt the U.S. economy. They're looking for a strategy. They're trying to find a way to break the U.S. economy. Russia is using natural gas. And they, they're, China now, Xi Jinping is going to go to Saudi Arabia. 
they want to basically get that oil to use oil, not just gas, but uh, the oil of the Middle East as a weapon. And so they're trying right now for this economic strategy to put the West on its knees economically, because if they can crash the economy in Germany, in France, and you saw the strikes, which were communist unions in France, if you can get it to happen in Canada, in the U.S., you then you don't have to have a war because these countries will collapse and they won't be able to finance uh, defense, large defense establishments. And then you will be able to bully them and force them to negotiate and surrender by negotiating. So it looks like the China and Russia, because Russia suffered such a bad uh, rebuff in Ukraine that to some extent it appears that the China has taken a second thought and thought, uh, okay, war could be really dangerous. Maybe we need to be more careful and prepare the way of war with this economic uh, warfare strategy. This is what it looks like to me that I think that a couple of years ago, I had sources in China and in Russia that were telling me that China was pushing the Russians to go to war uh, sooner rather than later. And Russia was dragging its feet and saying, we're not ready, we're not ready, we can't. So now you had Russia going into Ukraine and it didn't work. So yeah, the Russians aren't ready. And the Chinese are thinking, okay, maybe we have to take, a take it a little slower and use our economic advantages as weapons. And I think the, the next thing to watch is the Middle East and Saudi Arabia and Xi Jinping's trip to Saudi Arabia. I totally agree that economic weapon is very important for Xi Jinping's regime. And also I have to remind American uh, audience that remember how the pandemic damaged your society. And based on my intelligence, I can tell you that communist China, uh, since the pandemic, they never stopped the development of novel unrestricted bioweapons because Xi Jinping believed that the bioweapons, their novel bioweapon combined with their propaganda worked so well in the pandemic. And he believed that this would be a very powerful strategy for his regime to uh, further conquer the world. So when Xi Jinping finally uh, become the very strong allies with Putin since the Winter Olympics this year. They not only support Russia financially, I said, they also use other resources. So you have heard that they talk about the propaganda of American bioweapon labs in Ukraine studies about weapons. And you also have heard that a lot of reports talking about hemorrhagic fever or monkeypoxes, and uh, this would cause outbreak or pandemic, and you may feel panic, you may feel uh, anxiety. And what I can tell you is China definitely has the plan to conduct more bioweapon attacks against the United States and the other world, uh, the other countries. However, that is a tyranny regime. We just don't know how flexible this proposal can be 
because they can change their mind uh, at any moment just up to Xi Jinping himself, and this can be changed up to the situation. So now you see Russia's nuclear threat seems, nothing, uh, seems not work well for the world. And also you see China is using the economic weapons and also people's war with the propaganda to keep cheating the world to maintain the relationship with West, especially Western countries. However, I would remind you that be aware of their potential bio-attacks in the future because they have put money and efforts in the development. They have spent a lot of energies to develop this strategy and they believe the trophy in the pandemic. So we have not we, we should not only believe that the temporary uh peace between China and uh, the United States, we have to think about their motive. They won't change the world order. And now they have not only nuclear weapons, not only economic weapons, they also have unrestricted bar weapons. We really need to be aware of that. And also, uh Jeff. When you talk about the nuclear things, I actually want to cite one recent uh, report from Bloomingburg that the, the title is China has put longer ranger ICBMs on its nuclear submarine. And this is from the top American admiral. And he confirmed that China has deployed new longer, uh, longer range uh, ballistic missiles on its nuclear submarine. And this would actually make it build the threat, uh, built to threaten United States. So these kind of uh, missiles would let China hit the United States from closer to its own shore. So I remember you have also talked about the potential uh, war, the nuclear attacks from China to the United States. And at that time, People, some people may think that this is so far-fetched. How could China hit the United States with nuclear weapons? And now we see this, actually, it, it turns to be the fact and get confirmed that China has the capacity to use this kind of uh, intercontinental uh, inter uh, uh, ballistic missiles to hit the United States. So what do you think about this? Yeah, I think um, because uh, China has such a history with Russia, the ancient Chinese strategists always believed that a short war is better than a long war. And you can see a conventional war can bog down and become very long, but a nuclear war is going to be over very quickly because one side or the other is going to get what is called strategic nuclear supremacy. And when you have Xi Jinping say the problem with Stalin and Hitler is they didn't kill enough people, uh, it doesn't matter how many people you kill. If you end up owning the whole world, the radiation will will not be so bad because you own the world and it's all yours. And um, this kind of ruthlessness, uh, then it enables a new way of thinking about warfare that uh, Westerners just don't want to even think like this. 
So there's a barrier in our thinking that we're not able to go there. Uh, let me um, let me ask you something and uh, see what you think of this. I this is and of course you have scientific training. My impression, you know, I've thought about this for two years. My impression is that the COVID nineteen virus was a weapon, and I think it did not work as well as a weapon as the Chinese leaders thought it would. And I think that it 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 kind of disappointed them. That it was a partial success in that they disrupted our economy and they they caused some um, uh, you know conflict here. But it really wasn't it didn't bring our societies down. It didn't collapse us. Now, I don't know if they have anything further to use, but it it has always been my thought that the problem with a viral weapon, is that that viral weapons, the human immune system is marvelously adaptable, that the, the viruses mutate, that there are ways of society coping with the virus, and, and that it isn't actually, if it's handled correctly, it isn't as destructive as a nuclear weapon. And I think that there may be, unless there's a much more effective biological weapon that they have that they're very confident in using um, um they may and see what you think about this they they may not want to go that route again maybe they do what what are your thoughts actually uh jeff this is different purpose when you have the bioweapons the Previous traditional concept of bioweapon is to cause the large scale of injury and death immediately in the battles. However, that would quickly attract attention of international world and it would be easy to be defined as a bio attacks. And then there would be more kind of measures against the regime who launched this kind of attacks. However, here the COVID when it was designed using the coronavirus, actually, they didn't want it to be like the large-scale immediate death. They want some low death rate, according to their definition in the document uh, documents that they want the lower death rate, less than 2%, which uh, actually COVID fitted to cause the disease and that way is to weaken the society. So yeah, China won this kind of quick flash uh, war and finish it, but they also know that from the hot war level, they can't compete with the United States at all. So using this kind of chronic poison style of bioweapons and hidden and spread, especially when this low death rate virus can mutate quickly and generate a lot of uh, mutation with the super high transmissibility compared to the high death rate bioweapon. This actually make it better than the expected for a coronavirus bioweapon because the high transmissibility is beyond their control and beyond their knowledge at that time. And based on this kind of damage, they, they combine their strategies in uh, at different levels, like they work with Fauci, Peter Daszak, the scientists to cheat you and to also the 
capitals work and also the pharmaceutical companies want to suppress the cheap drug treatment but promote the expensive novel drugs and also the novel immature vaccination and also they can communist china will take this advantage to prepare mobilize themselves and inside china this is a good way to control chinese people and out of china this is a good way for china government to bargain with other government or to launch some uh different type of the operations and to uh actually create more chaos during the pandemic so as I said, they keep developing more novel bioweapons. Among that, based on my intelligence, include high lethal um, novel viruses, which we still uh, don't know what exactly they can be, but we have some information we can talk about later. And still uh, talk about the coronavirus. What we faced actually is what they want. And in the future, they could combined with other like nuclear threats or other kind of weapons, other unrestricted tactics to amplify the power of their unrestricted bioweapons. That's based on my understanding and evidence from China about the uh, unrestricted bioweapon program. And uh, we have already uh, actually, uh, we have already uh, finish the time this time. So I really think we can opt to talk and I would like to invite you back to my broadcast in the future and share your opinions with our audience. Well, uh, thank you for having me. It's been very interesting. Thank you, Jeff. And thank you, our audience. And uh, the voice of Dr. Yan, Sunday and Saturday and Sunday, every week, 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern Time. After that, you can find it from the American Outlaw uh, Radio Network via various of apps for free.